I'm Jeff Watrick, and welcome to the Deadline Detroit podcast. Uh, it was a disappointing end to the Detroit Tigers season as they lost six ga- in six games to the Boston Red Sox in the ALCS. But it is time to start the Hot Stove League and get ready for spring training, which is only four, five months away. Um, so joining me in studio today is Bill Shea from Crane's Detroit Business. Among his many beats is sports business, so we're going to talk about what the Tigers can and can't do this offseason. But first, we're going to pay a bill. Scrapbusters owner Bill Wild would like to thank all of Wayne County for 25 years of support. So who comes into Scrapbusters? Anybody that wants to save money. What we offer is a low-cost option for people to fix their cars and keep them on the road. You know, our customers have a blast when they come to Scrapbusters. It's very easy, it's safe, it's clean, and you can save a lot of money. And we just want to tell everybody we appreciate their loyalty and their business. Bill Wild and Scrapbusters, serving the community for 25 years. And welcome back. This is uh, Jeff Watrick with the Deadline Detroit podcast, and joining me in studio is Bill Shea from Cranes. Bill, how you doing? Glad to be here. Good. So the Tigers uh, go into this offseason with a pretty top-heavy payroll, don't they? They do. They've got uh, about $107 bucks committed to six players. So, I mean, that's, that's quite a bit of money. Just, uh, you know, when you look at the whole 40-man roster you have to pay, you've got, uh, you know, more than 17, 18 teams payroll locked up right now in six guys. Um, and we, you know, I think it's obvious to any fan that the team is going to have to upgrade their bullpen if they want to to make another World Series run um, next year. Uh, given where there are other holes, how much how much how much space do they have to play in the free agency market well, and trade market? That's what that's one of the big mysteries with the Tigers and the Illich organization is no one is privy to what that magic threshold is mm-hmm. internally. You know, the, it's a relatively secretive organization. Um, you know, it's a private company. They don't have to say. But, you know, the, the money for the family comes from the pizza business and the casino and some other ancillary things. So it's really what they want to pay. I'm sure there is an internal number. You know, you have this much to spend with some flexibility. You know, if, if a Victor Martinez goes down, you can go out sure. and buy a Prince Fielder, that sort of thing, as in a case-by-case emergency basis. But uh, clearly they're going to probably spend as least as much as they did in 2013, which, you know, they started the season around $150 million in payroll and, and bonuses, and it wouldn't shock me to see them, you know, pay $160, $170 million for players next year. Um, I know in terms of free agents, probably Peralta is gone, maybe Infante. Who do you, who else do you see not being here, and who do you think they're going to be able to bring back? I think Dotel's definitely gone, you know, since he started his career with the St. Louis Browns, I think, back in the 1930s, <laughs> yeah, right. um, and has played for every team since. Um, you know, I think uh, Peralta's probably gone, you're right in that. Um, I would like them to, to, you know, pursue Infante, keep him at second base, because if you remember, you know, two years ago, or, you know, 2012, the, the revolving door at second base right. was just, you know, the Scott Sizemore, and I think Inge got thrown there at yeah. some point, so... You know, it's just he's a he's a good second baseman. He's a, a solid hitter most of the time. It's just it's it's like the long snapper in football. You don't want to have to worry about that position. You get the guy in, you get him signed, and just he'll produce, and you don't have to worry about it. And you know, he could probably be a good mentor for you know your your young shortstop too. You could have a nice 
combination sure. there without a Scott Sizemore screwing things up. What's his uh, What's his number? What did he make? Oh, Infante uh, Omar was at four million dollars uh, for last season. That was the end of a two-year mm-hmm. eight million dollar deal. Um, so, what's he going to want? He was a three hundred hitter. Um, he's going to want some more money. Do they want to pay it so they don't have to to worry about that position? They they might. You know, what other second basemen are out there? Right sure. now, that's always the question. Can you upgrade or, you know, maintain that position? And I always find, like, you know, the numbers are huge, right? It's inconceivable to make $4 million <laughs> a year for, yes. for you and I. But, um, the, you know, but I guess when if the next best option is going to be $6 million or, you know, you're going to have a severe downgrade at $2 million, it, it's just it's just numbers on a spreadsheet. Yeah, at this point, that's what it is. I mean, there's a lot of intangibles that go in into this. You know, it's like a, a chess game, multiple chess games going on at once. You have to figure out, you know, where are the weaknesses, where are the strengths, where can you take away from, you know, how many fingers, how many holes in the dike, mm-hmm. that sort of thing they've got to figure out. Um, you know, they're obviously in a better position than, you know, uh, the Astros or the Indians where you have a very limited you know, pool of money to draw from, whereas the Tigers have a lot more internal flexibility in terms of, you know, the money available. Yeah, let's talk about that because the, the, the money in is just as important as the money out. Um, another year, three million fans. What what are their revenues? Is, is, I mean, like you say, it's a secretive organization. What do their revenues really look like as best you can tell? Well, there's a variety of sources. You know, Forbes and Bloomberg take a look at that. They do. Uh, uh, Bloomberg just released a nine-month project looking at baseball mm-hmm. team finances and valuations. And it's fascinating. I mean, you've got your ticket revenue, um, you know, 3 million fans that brings in, you know, $40, 50000000 million a year. They're buying Coke and beer and Pepsi. You know, they split that with a concessionaire. And I think the number I saw on that was $19 million for the season. Mm-hmm. But the real money is broadcast. Right. Uh, the radio to some degree, but television, the local deal with Fox Sports Detroit and the national deals with TBS and Fox and and, uh, some others. And that's where the huge money comes in. Uh, From what I've been told from Fox Sports Detroit, they'll draw about $50 million. you got to shave 32% of that off, which is shared with the rest of baseball. Um, but then you get the national money coming in the door, and that's another fifty to sixty million. So you're looking at, you know, before revenue sharing on the local stuff, you know, hundred, hundred and ten million dollars mm-hmm. just in broadcast money coming in the door. So that's a that's a nice chunk of change. And in twenty fourteen, because they signed new national deals last year that kick in, in twenty fourteen, we're looking at upwards of maybe another twenty million dollars per team in new revenues. I mean baseball mm-hmm. signs a really nice TV deals with three networks for for next year. So that's just, you know, you're just extending your bottom line by another $20 million. And that may cover a Max Scherzer's salary for next season. Right. And and then maybe the biggest hole right now to fill is is the manager with Jim Leland retiring. What names do do you think are are viable? I mean, there are a lot of names out there. What names kind of strike you as, yeah, they could go for that? Yeah, well, there's, you know, they could go the expensive route. You know, I see Mattingly's name. You know, we'll see how that plays out out west. But, you know, I expect it to be, you know, somebody like a Tom Brookins who's earned his stripes, so to speak, kind of up through the organization, you know, running the minor leagues for them. You know, uh, he's 60 years old, so there's a few years in there, you know. Uh, Leland was, was 68, running out of fuel, as he liked to say. Brookins is a, a fairly young, 60 years old. Um, I know people weren't happy with some of his on-field 
you know, coaching decisions, but coaching and managing are, are not the same thing. You know, making the lineup decisions, the pitching decisions, um, you know, the tactics and stuff like that. I hear a lot of very good things about him. And the, the you know, the Illich organization is big on loyalty. Right. And so that, that wouldn't surprise me if they reward him with the job. And this is not a team, I don't think, that needs a whole lot of managing. Leland left them basically to deal with problems themselves. And he really didn't have ego problems in that clubhouse. There's not a, there wasn't a whack job Manny Ramirez or anything like that <laughs> right. to deal with. There wasn't, you know, a Barry Bonds, which Leland had dealt with very colorfully. Yeah. Much yeah. Earlier <laughs> yeah. There's a great video that just emerged yeah. of that. And exactly. Um, so these guys mainly can police themselves. They have definitely clubhouse leaders in a Vic Martinez mm-hmm. who, you know, if there's something wrong, these guys can take care of it. They need the tactical manager, the guy who can you know, write out the, the lineup card and, and, and make make the, you know, the batting order switches. You know, does Prince Fielder need to move to the sixth spot? Something like that. That kind of personality and, and managerial uh, type person. And I think you can get that in a, in a Brookings. I, this team doesn't, you know, they make big splashes with players and contracts occasionally. I don't really see them making a big splash with the managerial. I don't think they need a big ego personality i can't you know i could see them hiring a manny acta right he's bilingual um that's really important to some teams you know the tigers have a lot of spanish-speaking players within the system that are going to come up and uh, cabrera guys like that so that's a helpful thing to have he's certainly younger i think he's a very good tactical coach it was said in cleveland you know that he lost the team but you know that that team was in disarray to begin with. And it they, was a lot younger team than the Tigers. It, it too. was. It was. It was not a veteran, and it was not a veteran team. It didn't. It wasn't a team without a playoff experience or hopes. Right. Either. You know, it was. A, it was basically a Triple A team <laughs> that you know playing at the major league level. You know, so they don't need. A, they don't need a, a, a Tony Larusa. I know that name's been thrown oh, out. Please and he, no. And he please keeps no. telling everyone that will listen. I'm not managing. Again, and I, I can't remember how old he is, but he's right up there at Leland's age. Right, he's the contemporaries you know, for sure. Yeah, it, it's, it's not a real long window, and you hope with this team you get a guy that can stick around eight years to manage. Well, I find the Larusa thing interesting because the same people that are like excited about the Larusa possibility, the same people that are upset that you know Leland didn't run the pitch count up for Scherzer in the playoffs, <laughs> ran you know four relievers out there in the eighth inning of Game Two, you know these cutesy matchup things. And that's all Tony Larusa. Like Tony Larusa invented all of that. You yeah, know, it's, exactly. it's crazy. Exactly. And he and, and Leland are very close friends. Right. And, and when Leland decided he was going to retire back in September, you know, he told he told uh, uh, Dave Dabrowski, and they obviously told Mike Illich, and the only other people to know were uh, I think it was Lloyd McClendon, um, uh, uh, Leland's wife, and Tony Larusa. Right. Because they you know they go way back to the the early 1980s. They're close pals. And I think Larusa was a huge, you know, the biggest influence on Leland's managing career was mm-hmm. Tony Larusa. I mean, he's he's a disciple, completely of that of that school of baseball. So you would just be getting a more famous, highly you know much more highly paid version of Jim Leland. That's all you'd be getting. All right. So before I let you go, any uh, any predictions? Anything surprising you're expecting to see the Tigers pull this off season? Um, don't be shocked if they trade Max Scherzer um, at all. Uh, he's he's been very open that he would be interested in playing for the St. Louis Cardinals. I mean, he's from Missouri. He's, right. he's a fan. Um, 
you know, whether they can put together a, a deal, I don't know. Um, I think fans would, would freak out, but if if Dombrowski can find the right kind of immediate value, in it, maybe not with St. Louis, but with some team, sure, I could see them doing that. Because he's going to be due a huge, I mean, he's going to get at least $6 million more a season mm-hmm. this year, and he's going to make, I would guess, between 14 and 20 for this upcoming season, and then he's a free agent. He's also going to be 30 years old this season. You give that guy a Verlander deal? Mm. Not with two pitches. No, I don't think yeah. that. I don't think you do. I mean, maybe a three-year, 20 million if you want to commit to that. It's it's up to Scott Boris and and, and Mike Illich. Do they want it? I mean, they certainly did it with Prince Fielder. So you know, right. who, who the hell knows what those two could come up with? So I think that'll be sort of the the really interesting thing to watch. Yes, and uh, for sure Dave Dombrowski uh, is kind of a master with trades. So Absolutely. You never know. All right. Well, Bill, uh, maybe we'll get back together around spring training and uh, see how it all went. That'd so, be great. Thanks for coming in. Take care.